Welcome to Subscribing to Wellness, the show where Rachel Newman and myself, Daniel Fairman, sit down with leading founders, executives, and investors committed to building a healthier future for consumers. Today on Subscribing to Wellness, we are joined by co-founder of ours, Adam Putterman. Ours offers a reimagined and preventative solution to relationship wellness that is not only experiential and research-backed, but memorable and fun. The platform is shifting the way people think about relationship health to be more of an everyday experience, the same way we work on our physical and mental health. We talk with Adam about how couples get started and how ours really differs from what is already on the market. Adam, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat. Really excited to be having you on today. Could you give a quick background intro on yourself for our listeners? I am one of the founders at Ours, a modern relationship wellness company where we focus right now on couples counseling and premarital counseling. I grew up in Houston and I live there now with my wife and daughter and dog. Could you take us through this initial idea and what made you start a modern day counseling service? Yeah, I think one of the most interesting parts of what we're doing is that me and my two co-founders each kind of came at this idea from a very different perspective. So I can share mine and then maybe I'll touch on theirs as well. But at least for me, I, I started working on this while I was in grad school at Kellogg. And I had just gotten married to my now wife. We had been together, I think, six or seven years at the time. And shortly after we got married, there was a, a professor at school who had a happy hour on a book he was releasing about marriage and relationships today and how they're different than ever before and all the research that's been done into what's predictive of a long, healthy, happy relationship. And my wife and I went more just out of serendipity or or free drinks and food than anything else. But then we were like blown away by the presentation and the amount of research and information that was out there. There was just something that was so important to us, but that we had no understanding or awareness of how much work and research and insight had been done. So that that was just a a huge kind of epiphany moment for us and first got me really interested in the topic. And I started reading a ton about it. And then when I decided that there might be a, a business there to kind of bridge that gap, one of the first things I did was talk with or interview, I think like hundreds of couples and, and therapists and researchers and other people in the space. And the thing that surprised me the most at the time was that around maybe like 40% or so of the people I was talking to were either in couples counseling, looking for a couples therapist, or had already been. And that was just this huge kind of like narrative violation of what I expected, right? In my mind at the time, couples counseling was this very niche kind of stigmatized thing. And and yet here, almost, you know, half the people I were talking to were looking for it or had had an incredible experience with it. So I just, I I thought there was something really magical there. And that's kind of where I started. And then one of my co-founders, Jess, came at this after going through the experience herself and thinking like, wow, there's just, how is this such a terrible experience to find someone and, and know what's going on? And my other co-founder, Liz, is one of the world's best couples therapists. She's incredible. And she was really seeing more and more people kind of wanting to go to couples therapy and also looking for something more proactive and kind of built for this generation and this time. Yeah. So you mentioned how, you know, the previous things in the market are very different from what you're building. Can you take us through 
what I as a consumer would go through in order to get onboarded and started on the platform? Yeah, definitely. Um, so we're very life stage focused right now as a company, which allows us to um, focus much more and over deliver on the experience. So right now, the life stage we're focused on right now is premarital counseling. So let's say you just got engaged and you came to the site. We have you fill out a quick form to make sure it's a good fit. At this point, we really want to work with only couples that we know we can over deliver on the experience and the insight and the value. Um, assuming it was a good fit, you'd sign up, you'd take kind of like an intro assessment, survey, fun, experiential type thing for us to get to know your relationship. Then you would schedule your first session with one of our guides. So all of our guides have a master's or higher in some form of mental health or counseling or couples work. You would meet with one of them for around 45 minutes to an hour with your partner. And in this conversation, they're really kind of trying to get a better understanding of your goals and priorities, and then also kind of providing their own insight into your relationship. So you do that one live session, it's all over Zoom. And then based on that session, they then craft a asynchronous roadmap for you. So you, if one of your goals might be to explore family planning, maybe they would have one of your sessions beyond parenting and family planning. And so from there, you do four sessions that are personalized for you. And each session is kind of like an asynchronous version of what you would do with a counselor or a therapist or a guide in the room. So you might watch like a short video explaining a concept and then be walked through an interactive conversation or guided exercise with your partner, bringing that to life or exploring something. And then at the end, you meet again with your guide for another 45-minute session to talk about what you've learned and, and explored and go through things. And then you get a nice sort of in-cap report with everything you covered and everything you want to do in the future. And then throughout the experience, your guide is kind of there personalizing it for you. So you might get a weekly challenge or a suggestion based on something that you mentioned in the first session. But yeah, that's the experience as it is today. That's really cool. So you mentioned you're really working with couples right now to over-deliver and, and there's an initial survey to make sure it's a good fit. In what cases is it not a good fit? And can you kind of elaborate on what a good fit is? Yeah, it's a great question. The primary things we look at are one, are you engaged or relatively recent in your committed relationship? So let's say you've been together five years and the thing, five years or less, the thing we're trying to get at there is, are you at a moment where you could benefit from looking to the future and proactively talking about the big stuff, right? So that's the first thing. The second is your relationship in a healthy and safe place. Right now, what we do is not therapy. And if that's not the case, that, that's not a couple that we can serve today. And then the third one that's really big is like, are you in a committed relationship and looking to proactively invest in it? Right now, our experience is not for a couple that's looking to maybe decide if they're together or if they want to stay together. And we're much more focused at the moment on looking forward and, and proactively investing. That makes sense. I feel like COVID has really brought a lot of relationship, you know, inter interesting things about relationships to the forefront because we were, you know, social distancing for so long. And I know that right now you guys are focused on couples. Is this something that in the future might be targeted towards friendships or familial relationships or other types of relationships, not just couples? Great question. You kind of read our minds there, right? Like from a 
higher level perspective, we view ourselves as the relationships company. And we want to build the space and the platform for people to invest in and grow all of their closest relationships. So we're starting with couples, but eventually we'd like to be there for for you for all of your closest relationships. So coming out of, uh, it was just recently announced your seed raise, which is very exciting. Congratulations. And you're backed by some amazing people, including uh, Serena Williams. If you can share, how did that relationship come to be and what's her kind of involvement right now? Yeah, we have a fantastic group of investors. They, they've been all they've all been incredibly supportive, and we feel really lucky to have them on our team. Serena Ventures, in particular, has been really great, and I don't remember exactly how we got introduced to them, but the fund is phenomenal. I really like their mission. I believe it's improving everyday lives for everyday people, and they've just been very supportive and and really got behind what we are trying to accomplish. Yeah. On the note of tennis, super random. Are you related to Ross Putterman? <laughs> no, but we went to school together. And I was like tennis, Serena. And then I was like, same last names, like Chicago. I played tennis with him growing up. So I was just thinking about it. <laughs> oh, no way. Yeah. It's small. It was totally random. We ended up playing doubles together, but there's no relation. And at least always, no one used to believe us. Very <laughs> Yeah. I think what's great about this, and you've hit on a lot of these points, and it kind of reminds me of a conversation we had with a founder a few weeks ago, a company called Made For. But the fact that this is preventative, I feel like historically mental health has been so reactive, right? And so it's so about, you know, I have a problem now, I need to go seek out help. But I think like the more that we can see innovation coming to like be preventative and kind of proactive as opposed to react, we'll just improve the the general offerings that a consumer can really have related to mental health. And so I mean, how did you guys think through being preventative kind of versus reactive? And like, why is, why do you think it's so important to kind of be preventative? It is a great question. I think the first answer is that if you look at the research and the science in this space, and I, I think this is actually uh, kind of health in general, but it holds true in the couple space and the mental health space is that the earlier you go and the more preventative it is, the more effective it is, right? And if you look at the most recent data, I think it used to be seven years. I think now they did a new survey and it's more like three and a half years, but the average couple would wait, I think three and a half years, call it, I'd have to find the exact number between wanting to go to couples counseling or finding a problem and going. And that's where the problem is, right? Because once you let something fester, it's way more difficult to solve. So the first reason why we're focused on proactive is that it's often the most effective way to improve people's relationships. The second is from a business perspective, it's one of the few ways that we can really tap into word of mouth and referrals in what is currently a stigmatized but slowly destigmatizing space. Uh, so particularly if you look at premarital counseling, engaged couples are in a spot where they're sharing a lot about their relationship, maybe the most they've ever shared. And they go through this time in waves almost in groups, right? Where you'll see often like a whole group of friends slowly get engaged in the same year. So it was important to us from a customer perspective and then also from a business model perspective. Yeah, I think that makes complete sense. And then my other question was just about data. So like, you know, we, we've had some health tech company kind of platforms on where like, obviously it's very easy for them to track data because like their offering is essentially like a device and like a software. Like, how do you guys think through kind of data as like a engine for growth, given that like 
the data that you're probably getting is obviously about kind of consumer demographics that are like joining the platform, but then like extracting maybe content from some of the sessions in a confidential manner that like better enable you to like inform the way you kind of acquire customers in the future? Yeah, it's a great question. The first priority there is privacy and making sure that we're doing right by couple. So right now we sacrifice things on the uh, data front for privacy purposes, and we'll always do that. It's it's such an important responsibility in this space. One thing that we have leaned into, which is really cool, is, is surveys. I think one of the interesting things is that there just aren't that many people and companies that are able to ask the sort of questions we can ask at scale, whether it be of our customers or of the market. We actually just did a kind of wide-ranging third-party-led survey of couples across the country. And it just revealed so many interesting insights and trends, particularly around how much more people are seeking these type of experiences and invest in their relationship, often driven by COVID and that experience. So it's a huge part of what we do. And it's just really fun to see as well. Yeah. What are the, if you don't mind me asking, and maybe it's like, there's no one answer here, but what are the biggest kind of premarital kind of issues that couples kind of come to this platform with wanting to like talk through or like, what's the number one topic? Is it financial? Is it stress related about like planning, like you know, maybe family planning? What what do you see the most commonly? It's so interesting because, well, well, first of all, I would say at this stage, and particularly for us, it's more about opportunities than issues, right? Like they come to the, the table excited to talk about a few things, not we're having a problem with XYZ. We see that some too, but it's primarily like, hey, we're getting engaged and we want to talk about merging our finances or communication, improving our communication, something like that. In terms of the things we see the most, it's generally what you'd expect, right? It's communication, it's intimacy, it's finances, household roles, family planning, the things you'd expect. One thing that I think is surprising that we've seen, one of our most popular and most impactful sessions has been digging into family of origin and how that affects your relationship. So couples come in and they talk about their parents' relationship or other relationships that they saw when they were younger as role models or were exposed to a lot. And then they can kind of dig through how that shows up in their current relationship and what they want to double down on or what they want to change. That's a session that I think very few people come to us asking for, but nearly everyone, nearly 100% of people end up absolutely falling in love with it and, and raving about it. That's really interesting. Uh, you mentioned kind of your different approach in this asynchronous format where, you know, the couple gets to go on this journey themselves. And I think so many people have a hard time finding therapists or counselors, and that's what deters them away from, you know, seeking help or preventative or counseling in general. Did you guys do this asynchronous method on purpose so that there was less about finding a right fit for a therapist and more about really focusing on the couple's journey? Or can you kind of explain to me the reason for the asynchronous versus having, you know, Zoom sessions with a counselor? Yeah. And in case it wasn't clear, it's a hybrid experience right now where you do two sessions on Zoom with a counselor and then four sessions asynchronously. Mm -hmm. We did that on, on purpose. We, we, tried both. There have been times in our beta where we were fully live and then our entirely live sessions and then times when we were fully asynchronous. And what we found is that what people want and more importantly, what they get value from and end up liking the most and enjoying the most and changing the most from is a mix. 
And you need the human touch of a person for the insight and the framing and the personalization. But what people really want as well is a sandboxed experience. They want to know there's a start and a finish and they want to, they want the flexibility to do that experience entirely on or entirely in a way that fits into their life. Right. So I think you mentioned that the two of you are in grad school right now. I think you probably have insanely busy schedules, right. And to find the time for you and your partner and the counselor to find the exact like fit in your calendar, that's going to work there for so many sessions is often something that's not possible or not wanted for people. And uh, yeah, I think we found that it's good for us on our end and that it makes it easier to serve more customers and provide very personalized support. But that what really is happening here is that that's what people want. Yeah, that makes sense. So starting a company yourself, what's been your biggest mistake that you faced thus far? Oh, that's a great question. I think the biggest mistake I've made has been uh, a lack of confidence at times. I think that it's really easy to read advice or stories of other people and and then maybe change your own thinking on something when everything is so contextual and so specific. And after you've been working in a space for so long, you have such great intuition and insight in it. And I think any mistakes that I've made in the past were probably the root of not trusting that that instinct and experience there. Yeah, so true. What? So you mentioned how when you first came up with this idea, you conducted you know hundreds of interviews with couples. What was one of the most surprising things that you found when chatting with couples, whether it be about something they wanted or that they shared? Oh, I love that question. So I'd say two things. The first is what I mentioned earlier, which is just a shocking amount of them wanted couples counseling. And it's even higher than what you think because there's definitely a a sort of a stranger effect there in that some people, you're talking to them in an interview and they're not going to share something like that, right? So if anything, those numbers were understated. But that I found really fascinating at the time and it seems obvious to me now, but at the time that was a big surprise. The second thing I think has always been a pet theory of mine and something I really enjoyed is that a lot of the couples that I interviewed that were doing the best at the time in a tough situation were couples that at some point early in their relationship had been forced to go long distance or spend manufactured or, or, or spend outlier amounts of time together in a in an interesting setting. And to give you two examples, like whether that is like they they started dating, they met online and then spent the first six months of their relationship long distance, or they were commuting every day for work for three hours together after meeting and just had three hours in a car to talk. But I think there was something really interesting and special about how valuable it can be really early on in a relationship to be moved beyond small talk and feeling each other out and forced to just talk about the big stuff early. And I think that leads a lot to what we're trying to accomplish, right? Which is making it easier and more fun and and more accessible to have those conversations earlier on. Yeah, we saw so many like COVID relationships, you know, accelerate because they had to have those conversations so quickly, so soon. And it accelerated just 
you know, living in close quarters with someone, you know, you couldn't hide things. It was very much the real deal. But we're going to move to our section of the podcast called Rapid Fire. We're going to throw some questions your way. And I'd like to focus them on relationships because, you know, you seem to be the master at them. So how did you meet your wife? I wish Liz was on the the, the podcast because she's the true master. We met in undergrad at a random, I think like walking down the street. Like when I was a sophomore and she was a freshman. Oh, wow. Uh, what's your favorite thing to do with your wife? We go on a lot of long walks with our daughter and dog and do it nearly every day, a few times a day. And just love those. And so you're a triple Emmer. What is something that you really enjoyed during your time in business school? I, I loved the design side of the program. And one of my favorite classes was actually a, an undergrad class in the engineering school around industrial design sketching. And it was so valuable for prototyping, actually. And I just had so much fun with it. It was a totally different skill. And lastly, your guilty pleasure. Oh, probably Twitter. Probably on Twitter way too much. And I definitely feel guilty about that. Uh, <laughs> That's yeah. fair. So we like to ask all of our guests how they subscribe to wellness. So what are some things you do on a day-to-day basis that makes you able to show up for your kids, for your wife, for yourself, for your company, et cetera? I've been focusing a lot lately on no surprise, less screen time and more intentional time with the family and just making sure that there's space and time for the basics around sleep and exercise and, and time together. Love it. And where can our listeners learn more about ours? Withours.com, W-I-T-H-O-U-R-S.com. Awesome. awesome. Adam, thank you so much. And we can't wait to chat with you more. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. Thanks everyone for listening to today's episode. Feel free to rate, review, and share the podcast. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to Wellness. If you'd like to sponsor us, please see the supporter link in our podcast bio. We hope everyone has a great rest of week filled with wellness, and we'll see you next time.